Settle in. We're heading behind the bookshelf. I'm Jessica, the communication director at Country Bookshelf. We had such a good talk about poetry with our booksellers for our first episode that we had to turn it into its own episode. We hope you enjoy this bonus look behind the bookshelf. Don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcatcher and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to help more people find the show. You can get more great reading recommendations on our website and be sure to follow us on Instagram at Country Bookshelf, all one word. You can also email the show at staff at countrybookshelf.com. If you have a comparable book suggestion or need a recommendation for a specific person or an event, we can't wait to hear from you. Because it's Independent Bookstore Day, the fun doesn't just end with the exclusive events and the fun bookseller conversations. Be sure to tune in to a special Montana Indie Bookstore Day live-streamed conversation on Saturday, April 30th at 5 p.m. with M.L. Smoker and Natalie Petersey about their IBD exclusive graphic novel, Thunderhead, illustrated by Dale Ray DeForest. Watch on the Montana Book Company's YouTube channel, you can also find a link in the show notes, or take a drive and visit our friends in Helena. We look forward to more great fun with our friends in Western Montana with more Montana-themed virtual events. Is there a poem you can share just off the top of your mind? I can only really recall like one off the top of my head. Um, and it's, it's a short one. It's just Emily Dickinson's um, I'm nobody. Who are you? I'm nobody too. There's a pair of us. Don't tell they'd banish us, you know? Um, and there's another stanza that I can't remember off the top of my head, but um, I first learned that one from law and order SVU. <laughs> one in particular, especially in college was the poem by E. Cummings. And I feel like it's pretty popular but uh, to be nobody but yourself in a world which is doing its best day and night to make you like everyone else means to fight the hardest battle, which any human being can fight and never stop fighting. We thought we would dive into the wide world of poetry and check in with booksellers Francis, Sage, and Emeritus Bookseller China. Hi, Sage. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, my name is Sage. My pronouns are they, them. I'm a bookseller at Country Bookshelf. Uh, I also work at Last Best Comedy, and I like to do musical improv and comedy in my free time when I'm not reading um, and sitting at home with my cat. Hi, Frances. Hi. Tell me a little bit about yourself. My name is Frances. I use pronouns like she and they. I've been working at Country Bookshelf for a little over a year now, and it brings me so much joy. And what about you, China? Hi, my name is China. My pronouns are she, her. I previously worked at the lovely Country Bookshelf here in Bozeman and currently work at the Haven, which is a local nonprofit that provides services for survivors of domestic violence and intimate partner violence. And how did you get into poetry? I've always been a journaler. Like ever since I was a kid, I always had a journal um, that it wasn't really a diary. It was just like things where I wrote 
I wrote down ideas and stories and stuff. And I guess when I was probably like 12 or 13, I just started, I think I just learned what poetry was like in like the seventh grade or something. Um, I learned what a rhyme scheme and a stanza was and I started writing my own. Um, And I think it took me a while to get into reading other people's poetry because I just didn't have I didn't understand like what to look for, what I wanted to read. Um, but so I, in college, took a couple of poetry writing workshops, which was kind of great for me because I got to write my own stuff. But then I also was assigned reading. Um, so I got to read um, some poets I had never read before. Um, like I, I read Lucille Clifton for the first time. Um, and, oh, who else? I'm like drawing a blank. Um, but yeah, that was, that's kind of like my journey of poetry. Now I think it's still rare for me to read like an entire book of poetry, just because I'm not sure if that's like how I always think it should be consumed. I feel like a, like one poem can have so much weight and meaning, but I love, I love writing it. I love reading it. I have always sort of liked um, poetry for its lyricism. Like I grew up, uh, I've been singing my whole life and I love music. And so that's sort of what attracted me to poetry initially. But I remember sort of like, uh, like a moment when I was in high school and we were reading poetry out of some high school collection. And there was one poem called, I think, The Colonel. Um, by Carolyn Forsch. And she was talking in the poem about being in an occupied country and that there was this um, colonel in, coming into this space. And he, he came in and he threw a jar of human ears on the table. Um, and it's like this incredibly visceral thing. And she says, um, they looked like dried peach halves. There is no other way to say this. And that line specifically, like, totally altered the way in which I saw poetry because she was describing something so unrelatable to a lot of people and unfortunately very relatable to a lot of other people, but so unrelatable to a lot of people. And she was able to describe it in such a way that was accessible um, and moving. I mean, I don't think, I mean, like she said, I don't think there would be a way to say that that would be more poignant and striking. Um, but that's sort of what initially got me into, um, seeing poetry as a more accessible genre than I was previously aware of. What got me into poetry, I have always been a very big reader. I loved, um, during elementary school and middle school, we had these reading appreciation programs. And if you read all the books on the list, you got like a gold star. There was really no prize other than the success of having read all of the books. And I was that person. I was engaged in literature and anything to do with reading and writing for as long as I can remember. Um, I've been on the school newspapers and in yearbooks. And so I would just take any class that was available that was discussing words. I just think words are beautiful. Um, I love the stories that we tell and I love the different ways we're able to tell them. And so poetry has just always been there. It's, I can't remember a specific connection point 
Um, but in college, and even to this day, I often write poetry on my walls. Now it's on my mirrors um, because they're easier to erase. <laughs> I don't have to do a repaint job. Um, but just I think they're wonderful, wonderfully expressive ways that connect you to yourself and connect you to the world with just a simple phrase. And it's so great to have those reminders around anywhere that I can have them. I'm realizing um, as a kid, I ate Shel Silverstein books. I I, pro- I read everything he published. That's probably one of the first poems I remember is a poem called, I Don't Want to Go to School Today, um, which is a kid who's listing all of their ailments and sicknesses and why they can't, can't go to school just to end up seeing that it's a nice day outside and that they'd like to go outside and play instead of being inside and sick. (laughs) Yeah. And that was definitely me a lot as a kid. I, (laughs) I hated going to school. I mean, like, like everybody, but I really tried to milk uh, my reasons to stay home. And my mom's always like, no, you're going. (laughs) Did you know Shel Silverstein wrote Johnny Cash's The Boy Named Sue. I was literally just talking about that, like, like an hour ago. Um, we were talking about Shel Silverstein, started as a folk songwriter, wrote a bunch of stuff for Johnny Cash and other people. So obviously Shel Silverstein is a poet for adults. I feel like poetry can be one of those sort of awkward experiences in high school, especially when you're assigned something to read. So I'm curious if either of you have anything that you would recommend for folks who um, are maybe trying to learn to read poetry or are trying to get into poetry. Like what are some good entrances to that? Sometimes in high school, you know, you're introduced to these big epic poems. Um, like, you know, we've all read the Iliad or the Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner or um, The Wasteland by T.S. Eliot. And they're all, you know, epic and beautiful um, written works, but they're like, so you have to go through every line and like each line has a reference to like five different things. And so you can feel really bogged down and like, you're like, I just don't get this. Like, I'm dumb. I don't get it. I think that's really great. Everything that you just shared. I just want to say that first. Um, and I think another part of high school is one thing that really gets hammered down your throat is Shakespeare. And so it feels very formulaic when you think of poetry a lot of times. And I think that's another place where someone can get lost. They're like, I don't really care like how many syllables are in the sentence. I don't know why I don't understand what's really going on. Um, and so you lose the storytelling aspect of it. You lose the connection. And I think it feels like too much work, um, kind of just like you were saying. I think that's a problem with poetry. Yeah. Um, I feel like to read poetry that is maybe like a little more metaphor um, focused, a little less grounded in reality. Um, I always have to turn off a part of my brain. Um, And I think I also have a brain that works like rapid fire. So I can understand associations for a word that are maybe two or three words removed from it if that makes sense. Like we talk about maybe like a piece of pie and I think oven, warm, flaky, fruity. And like, I can just like think of the words that are like so far away from the word pie, but that evoke pie. 
Um, but so, yeah, I think turning off a part of your brain needs to happen to really get poetry. So this month I've been wrapping up poetry month blind dates. So I wrap collections of poetry in brown paper. Then I write a little description on the front about what's inside. And sort of my goal of that is to create, to make um, poetry more accessible in general. Some, I think two connecting points for, for me, if you're getting into poetry, especially right now in this time period, looking at music intimately. Um, and that can be everything from like rap to like whatever genre that is poetry, that is poetry in its rawest form. Most people feel a deep, intimate connection with music. They feel like it speaks to them. They feel like it captures a moment an emotion. And that is what poetry is. And when you see it in that very accessible form, you see it in that every day, I think that's a wonderful point to really lean into. I love what you had to say about like music and like rap specifically. I mean, rap is such a great resource for poetry and um, rap is so profound in so many ways. Like even like, I remember recently Jay-Z won um, a big award for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I can't remember who it was, but a bunch of people came up to talk about, you know, how Jay-Z's lyrics had really empowered, um, like, communities of color and, um, like, impoverished communities um, and, like, through his, like, lyricism and stuff like that. And, like, maybe at a first glance, you would, like, I don't know a Jay-Z song off the top of my head, but people wouldn't necessarily think, oh, yeah, Jay-Z, he's an incredible poet, but he is because poetry is accessible in every different realm. You know, just because it doesn't sound like Shakespeare doesn't mean it's not poetry. Yeah, one of my favorite um, musical artists is Chancellor Rapper, and his music is poetry. And I mean, I always love to talk about how Eminem revolutionized slant rhyming in poetry. Like, he totally altered the way poets slant rhyme because he just did it so much and um, so popularly. I also thought of Eminem when you were talking about music. <laughs> and I also thought about Lin-Manuel Miranda when Hamilton first came out and him saying, you know, like, rap is the language of the revolution. And that idea still gives me, like, goosebumps. Warson Shira and Eirsa Daily Ward are wonderful examples because they are poets who worked with Beyonce on her albums. And so when you have that connection of someone like Beyonce, who most people know, most people are familiar with, whether or not you like her, it is this connection point. And she has brought these poets into the limelight. And I think another place is Instagram. I think we've had this wonderful revival of poetry through social media. There's so many poets who have really capitalized on that space um, to share their words freely. The way that's shared, I think, is a lot different. Um, the more modern poetry is sometimes it's five words, sometimes it's three, sometimes it's a word. Um, there's this brevity now that I think is really accessible. Um, there's Chloe Frayne, Ruby Kaur, uh, Nayira Waid, Irsa Daily Ward. Uh, Worse and Shira. Poets that I think maybe have like a nice way to like glide into it. I think Andrea Gibson 
writes really great stuff. The poems are short. They're really powerful in their in their emotional message, but they're not they're not too flighty. Like they're not. I think people can pretty clearly see what's being said there. Well, and it makes me think too of um, one of my favorite poets is Elizabeth Acevedo. And she does these long, like she started out as a slam poet and playing with that form, but then she she has these incredible novels, these incredible books in verse that just move me. Like I feel so many feelings reading the Poet X. It's so deeply moving on so many levels. And I always, always recommend Roske to people because his stuff is all the complex human emotions. It's happiness and it's sadness and joy and gratitude and love and loss and grief. And they're deeply relatable. And I think he moves out of the concrete and into the metaphor in a seamless way where you can start to see like, oh, this is what's happening here. Even if you want to have the taste of a poetic hand without maybe having to have the stanza format, you know, you can read his essays, um, Book of Delight. Or you could read On Earth for Briefly Gorgeous by Ocean Vuong. Or what's the E.J. Co. book, The Magical Language of Others? She's also a poet. Um, you could read A Ghost in the Throat. These are all, all books that are prose. They're memoirs, they're novels, but they're written by poets. So they have that poetic hand, but um, it's grounded in prose texts. One of the authors I go to often when people are like, I just don't get poetry is Billy Collins. He's sort of like Shel Silverstein or Dr. Seuss and that kind of, he has that whimsical energy to him. And like Shel Silverstein and Dr. Seuss, he recognizes the mundane of the everyday and he makes it both poignant and humorous, um, which I think is important. Um, and it's a good reminder. So I love his poetry collections. Whale Days, his newest one. And then Rain in Portugal is my favorite of his. And then also, I think that um, Mary Oliver um, and Maggie Smith are really great um, places to start as well. Um, they deal with more prominent themes of grief and heartbreak and love and our connections with nature and each other as human beings. And I think one of the reasons that people sometimes go to poetry is the emotion of it um, is much more intense than some writing. It's distilled. And I think that um, Smith and Oliver really distill emotion in a way that is easily understandable, but nonetheless very powerful. So those are like my big three um, that when people are like, what do I read? I'm like, these, these ones. And I think the wonderful thing about poetry is that it's a community. And so poets are always talking about other poets. You know, you hear from what, like Nate Marshall is one of my favorite poets. And I know he celebrates like Franny Choi. And so you really delve into a community. And I think that's kind of really great way to learn about poetry, especially if you're looking for something kind of rooted in now. To riff on what you were saying about slam poetry, I think that's another really accessible place to start that we didn't mention. But um, you usually in towns, there is a poetry collective, like in Bozeman, there's a Bozeman Poetry Collective and they meet monthly and you can just go and listen to poetry. You don't have to write anything. Um, and there are writing circles, but if you don't want to go in person, there is write about now poetry, 
which is a great online community of poets. They actually have monthly, they have writing challenges currently for um, National Poetry Month. They are doing a 30-day challenge where they give out prompts and you write a poem a day and it can be about whatever you want. It can be any length um, and you get a number of prompts to pick from, but in poetry it is another great resource. Uh, so I think those are also really accessible ways that bring you into the community because that's what I, I think that's what gets me really excited. It's not just poetry. Like I love reading poetry and it is singular, um, but it's also this community. And as you get, when you find someone else who loves poetry, because there's not many, <laughs> as many of us as like sci-fi readers, um, <laughs> I think we get very excited. There's this huge enthusiasm. And so being in those spaces where you can celebrate those words together and you can celebrate that creativity um, is just like really beautiful and really fun. So I just did judging for the Reading the West Award. Um, I judge for the poetry panel. So I just got to read a lot of really great poets. One of my favorite books that I read during that that process was um, The Perseverance by Raymond Entrebus, which the poet is, he's deaf. And so the, po- the book of poetry really, it integrates poetry and also images of sign language, which was just, it wasn't something I'd ever seen before. And it really makes you ask the question, um, what does it mean to even be reading poetry um, when there are people who only speak languages with their body? So like, what does it mean to be reading a language that's spoken with the body, which I just had never thought about before? Made me think of another one. Ilya Kaminsky, Deaf Republic. I One of their poems went viral. I think, I can't remember exactly the name of it, but like we had a nice time during the war, something like that. I'm butchering it, but I was really intrigued by that. And so I bought their collection and it's like a narrative story in poetry about a town who gets occupied by an unnamed country. And on like the first day of the occupation, they're all in the square and they're all dancing and talking. And then the soldiers start marching in and everyone hushes except for one boy who's deaf and can't hear them and doesn't realize they're coming. So he's laughing and right in the crowd as everyone hushes, he gets shot and falls to the ground. And that's sort of how the collection starts. And in protest in that moment, the entire town goes deaf. And Kaminsky is really interesting because they use their own sign language, which they created for the book, as well as twisting sort of like silence as protest instead of ignorance or cowardice. Um, And it's a very profound and complex story. Not complex as in it's difficult to understand, but complex is that war is not an easy thing and occupation of a country is not an easy thing and it twists all of us even the victims of it um and i think that he does an amazing job of exploring that so i just finished that and i think that it's really an important read um with what's been going on right now in eastern europe to give sort of perspective on like he is a ukrainian who was born in ukraine moved to the united states and so it's sort of like a ground floor perspective which sometimes gets lost the further we are from something. Yeah, we were just actually talking about that book today. And I was like, oh, man, like these two books, I think would be in such good conversation together. Um, Although one's like a little more 
a different type of world, the Deaf Republic, and then um, Perseverance is one singular man's experience. What poets are you reading right now, this month, that you're just like, I'm going to explode if I don't get to talk about? I'm going to explode if I don't get to talk about this. But I just read Ocean Vong's Time is a Mother. And holy moly, I don't think that I have ever read that was as singular a a book. Let me just restart. I'm losing my words because I'm so emotional about this book. But that was a singularly like heartbreaking and healing at the exact same time. It's a powerful collection of poetry about um, the immigrant experience, about being queer, about mental health issues. I think that there's sort of something that will resonate with the human and all of us in that. Um, and I just sat down and absorbed it in like an hour. I just couldn't stop. Their writing style is so unbelievably vivid and brutal and so beautiful. I, it's funny, like whenever people come into the bookstore and they're like, I want a book that'll really break my heart. I'm like, on uh, earth were briefly gorgeous. But I think that this is similar, except that I didn't feel like hopeless at the end. There, That's what I mean by there's like, there's this, this thing that is like, we think that love and loss are in contrast to each other. But Ocean Vong shows us that they are actually just the same thing with different words. Absolutely. All right, it's time for the all-important question. What poets are you reading right now? I'm going to explode if I don't get to talk about this, but I just read Ocean Vong's, I think that's how you pronounce it, um, but I could be wrong, uh, Time is a Mother, and holy moly, um, I don't think that I have ever read that was as singular, a, a book, let me just restart. I'm losing my words because I'm so emotional about this book. Um, but that was a singularly like heartbreaking and healing at the exact same time. Um, it's a powerful collection of poetry about um, the immigrant experience, about being queer, about mental health issues. I think that there's sort of something that will resonate with the human and all of us in that. Um, and I just sat down and absorbed it in like an hour. I just couldn't stop. Like um, their writing style is so unbelievably vivid and brutal and so beautiful. Um, that is excellent. Um, and that made me think of a few things. Uh, one of the, I, I was going to mention three books, like <laughs> three works, three collections um that I'm just kind of bouncing around right now but one of them is Chloe Frain's The Gravity Inside Us let me make sure yeah The Gravity Inside Us um she released it last year and I've only heard it as an audio book I haven't like I don't physically have it and I'd really love to have it because just as you mentioned I have no idea what the formatting is. Like it's been this beautiful experience. Um, and it is mostly about the dissolution of a relationship, um, which really met me where I was at. <laughs> so it was um just this like it was it was more just heartbreaking. I it was more just the loss of love, but in this beautiful way of acceptance and of um, the never ending part of it, I think 
when we think about grieving, when we think about loss, when we think about the end of love, there is an end point. Um, and there's so much more than that. It becomes part of us. It is in our essence forever. Um, we, we walk away changed. And so that's something I'm revisiting just because of the time of year and some memories that are coming up, but I, it is, it is weird. I, I wish I had a better word, but not seeing how she wrote it because with the audiobooks, at least for this one, sometimes I don't know where a poem ends and another one begins. And, <laughs> and that is, I'll, I'll be listening. I'm like, oh, that was beautiful. And then she keeps talking. I was like, oh, wait, that's still part of it. Like, it's all beautiful, but I would, I would like to know. <laughs> Cause I think that, um, there's so much power in the way that it is written in the formatting. Um, and leading into that, uh, Finna by Nate Marshall, I'm a woman of color. And the way that text is written is just powerful. It's explosive. There's a lot of cadence to it. So when you're thinking rap, when you're thinking musicality, that definitely comes into play there. Um, for myself, it is a connection um, to my race, to my community, to a home that isn't in abundance here in Bozeman. Uh, so I like to revisit that. I feel like since Nate Marshall released that a few years ago at this point, I have just been in love with it and it remains close to the tip of my tongue and my fingertips. So I always just feel the need to celebrate that one. I think he's amazing. And then uh, Warson Shira just released her first full length um, book of poems, like Bless the Daughter Raised by a Voice in Her Head. I pre-ordered that a year ago. <laughs> and it's just wonderful, again, getting to know her, getting to know about her experience as a woman of color, but living in the UK and how that resonates and reflects and it also um, provides contrast to my own experience. Just one other was um, Welcome to Midland by Logan Cure, which is about um, growing up queer in Texas, um, which I think, especially in the climate that we live in now with all of the anti-LGBTQs being put out, especially in states like Texas, um, it's an important book to read and to understand what it's like to be a queer kid in a in an area where it's not welcoming. I am very grateful to be a part of this conversation because like I said, it's so much fun discussing poetry. It is so incredible to discover new poets um, and the people that love them. Like you, there's always such a personal connection, I think, in who we read and why we read them. This has just been so much fun. I hope that everyone just grabs a book of poetry, even if you do start with Shel Silverstein. Like, I love Shel Silverstein. It doesn't matter where you start, it doesn't matter where you stay. Um, I think that's part of it, too. I think there's this presumption about poetry and it being this like elevated, mysterious thing that you have to like opt into and the, be a part of that literati and it's just fun and it's just beautiful and you can enjoy it 
in whatever way you want to. Thanks for joining us behind the bookshelf. We hope you enjoyed today's bonus episode celebrating National Poetry Month. Please be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever your podcatcher of choice would be. And don't forget to leave a review to help other people find the show. As always, you can find us at staff at countrybookshelf.com. That's S-T-A-F-F at countrybookshelf.com. We hope to hear from you soon and we'll catch you next month.